As I was coming home this past week, on Wednesday night, we normally have our Bible study, and I was at the intersection of Haleakala and Hana Highway, and I was going to get something out of my cooler in my truck, and so I put my truck in neutral, and I, by accident, as I was spinning around to grab out of there, I, I guess I touched the gas, and so it kind of revved my engine, and this is what I'm assuming that happened, that the the engine being in neutral and the transmission revved and maybe some rubbish my my transmission needs to be cleaned up or whatever the the fluid in there got up and and clogged the screen so i go to put the car into into drive after that and it just sits there so i'm on the far side of the um lane going towards paia and everybody's waiting for you to, for me to move and my truck is just stalled right there i was like oh no and and people start pulling around and then some local brothers jumped out and they said you need you need me to push you across the street yeah they helped me push me across the street so they pushed me across the street i'm playing with the thing i'm checking my fluid i'm underneath the truck i'm looking at the linkage nothing it's just dead my f- transmission is dead i'm like oh no that's that's going to be a major fix and so I called up uh, Bobby. I called him up. I said, hey, man, can you give me a tow? I'm stuck on the side of the road over here. So he goes, he came down. And I'm, I'm on my phone. I'm trying to go to YouTube. This, what, what can I do about a transmission that won't go into gear? And there's nothing coming up. So he comes over there, and he looks at it. And he says, put it in four-wheel drive. And I go, that is not going to do anything. Because the transmission goes from the transmission, the transfer case that goes to the four-wheel drive. What would putting it in four-wheel drive do? Put it in four-wheel drive, boom, it pops in gear and takes off. It brought it home in, in high gear. And then he goes, yeah, try it when you get home. Just try see if it'll go into regular gear without being in four-wheel drive. Sure enough, the thing was fixed. But while I was there on the side of the road, I was crying out to the Lord. I said, Lord, help me. I need your help right now. And he helped me. He heard my prayer, you know. And, and that was that should be our first go-to whenever something goes awry or when things are going good even. We should be crying out to the Lord. Amen. You know, it's just like that song. I love that song we sang this morning. You know, life's easy when you're up on the mountain. Everything's good. You know, we can praise the But what happens when in the valley, but we should be equally... <laughs> In the valley, <laughs> Tammy just spilled her coffee over there. But when we're, whether we're at the top of the mountain or in the valley, we should be calling upon the name of the Lord. And He promises that He hears our prayers. Amen. That's a that's a bonus, man, that we have in in walking in faith. In reality, if Jesus never did anything for us again, aside from dying for our sins and writing our names in the book of life, that would have been more than enough. Amen. But yet he wants to walk in relationship with us and he wants us to be um, in intimacy with him. You know, and it's a challenge. Uh, It's a challenge at times, you know, things go awry and we have an enemy of our soul. and, And that is the spiritual warfare that he tries to cloud the situation and he tries to make it look like, well, if God is so good, why this? And why that? And, and he wants to get us, you know, on the side and get us thinking that reality, not reality, that's the fake reality. The real reality is what he says in his word. And for us to identify with what God says in his word, aside from our temporary circumstances as a challenge, that is actually the spiritual warfare that we're dealing with. It's to be able to trust God over 
the circumstances we find ourselves in in life and to give him praise regardless you know i was just thanking him i was thank, thanking him the lord while i'm stuck on the side of the road and everybody's passing me by i was like thank you lord that you are going to help me here that you're going to get me through this and he did um we give him praise amen so I'm going to go back to, um, I'm going to wrap this up. This is going to be the last one that I'm going to be talking about, uh, spiritual warfare in Ephesians 6. And I'm just going to read from verse 10 like I have done. And um, it starts off in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. It says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against uh, rulers of darkness in this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with the truth, with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, which is able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. You know, so we must have read that through maybe six times in this going over the armor of God. And there's so much there. But one of the things is, it says uh, in verse 13, Therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Who would have to agree with me that we're living in some evil days right now? Did you guys see recently what the Pope came out and, and identified with now? I'm shocked that there isn't a revolution within the Catholic Church. You know, that he's giving credence to uh, civil union, you know, uh, same-sex marriage in effect. Um, I mean, that's not all. That's just one facet. You know, I don't want to pick on the Catholics. There's enough guilt to go around to the rest of the world. I mean, we're looking at this electoral process and the things that go on with that. But what I'm saying is, it's like the world has gone crazy. Sometimes it's even hard to identify with what goes on. You know, I remember after the election of our president the first time that I'm thinking, man, that was a crazy election. There was so much opposition. There was so much um, things that were thrown against this president to get elected. And he did get elected. And I remember watching the local news, and they're just hammering on him and hammering on him on our local news over, over stupid stuff. And at that point, I made the decision, I'm not even going to watch this anymore. I'm not watching this. I, I was just so disgusted with that, that this man endured this election. He is our duly elected president, but we're going to just ridicule him. And every late night comedy show, we're going to ridicule this president. We're going to run him to show him absolutely no, dis, no respect. A lot of times, they don't even want to address him as the president. And I'm like, when did this happen in this country? That this this has gone this route, you know, and just the the nation seemed to have been divided at that point, and I at that point I made a decision. I don't want to watch this anymore. I don't want to see it. I, I I can watch it for a little bit, and I get so mad. I want to throw something at my TV. So to protect my TV, I go. I won't watch it. I won't watch this stuff. And so my watching had to pull away from that. The things that we watch have an effect on us. 
The things that we put our attention on have an effect on us. I was, I was watching something. They were talking about the power of prayer, but it was done through a scientific uh, method. And they were talking about quantum physics. And they were saying that light uh, photons react when somebody's watching it. And I, I thought, what? And they go, they've done experiments where they said that uh, light will react a certain way if somebody is watching it. There's, a, there's like a, they shot up a, a photon through a, a split, you know, a split um, sc- a screen or there was a, like a hole in there where it can go. And I don't understand all that, but they were saying this is scientific fact that these things react differently when they're being watched. And they said this has major ramifications because it's, it's, it's almost as if when you think about it, if we're prayer, if we're a people of prayer and we're watching, we're actually changing situations by that, by that very act of watching and praying. And this is what this scripture is talking about here. Let's pray together right now. Lord, we thank you for your um, word. We thank you for your anointing. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for the wisdom that we gain in the weapons of our warfare that are mighty to the pulling down of strongholds that has girded us for a battle and for this day that we would stand and to do all to stand and to be standing until that day where that trumpet blasts and you call us home. We thank you, Lord, for the Holy Spirit that you've placed within us because your word says this, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And when we are weak, Lord, we're actually strong because we're dependent upon your strength. And we thank you for that. I confer this blessing and this prayer upon myself and upon the congregation this morning. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. So we jump down to verse 18. It says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful. Being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. The word that I want to concentrate on, there's much that the Bible says about being watchful and especially about this time in history, right now where we're living, right now. It says to be watchful, watch and pray. In Matthew 26, 41, it says, watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. This is before they had the Holy Spirit conferred upon them, but it was an admonition from the Lord when he was going to the Garden of Gethsemane. And he says, stay here and watch with me for one hour. And they couldn't do it. They were just so overburdened with the grief of the Lord. And they couldn't understand what's going on. How come he's acting like this? And, you know, we don't want to hear about you going to the cross. We don't want to hear. We want to see you ruling and reigning as Messiah. And he's in the garden. And he said he's praying so fervently that it says great drops of sweat like blood was was falling off his forehead. It was such turmoil. And actually, in, according to Lee Strobel's, that's a, a literal medical condition where under such stresses, capillaries burst and the, the blood came through the sweat glands and it was dripping blood because he was just under such duress. And we know that when he prayed to his father, Lord, is there's any other way that I can bring salvation to mankind? Let this cup pass three times. It says in Hebrews, but because of his godly fear, he was heard, but the father was silent. He heard the prayer request, but the last request from the Lord was, not my will, thy will be done. And thank God that he went that far to birth us, to buy us our salvation with his precious blood. Amen. If he didn't do that, we would have been without any hope. In the world. Let's go to Luke uh, chapter 12, and there's some things about watchfulness here in Luke chapter 12. Um, it's kind of surrounded uh, 
by some interesting scriptures. Let me read uh, chapter 12, verse 13. This is the parable of the rich fool. You know, uh, it says in the word of God, it says, where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. I remember when I had investments in the stock market way back in the day that I would wake up every morning and because I had some treasures invested within the stock market, I would get up and the first thing I would do, turn on the computer and look, did my stocks go up today? And I was constantly watching these things, the ups and downs of the stock market, you know? And so what you're invested in or what your heart is set on, you will watch it carefully. Amen. You will, you're, you, it'll gather your attention. Whatever it is, whatever it is, that's what's going to grab your attention, you know. Um, This this parable of talking about this person who had wrong priority, it says in chapter uh, 12, verse 13, it says, Then one of the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide my inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me judge or arbiter over you? And he said to them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things which he possesses. Then he spoke a parable to them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And though he thought within himself, um, What shall I do? I have no room to store my crops. So he said, I'll do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there I will store all my crops and my goods, and I will say to my soul, Soul, you, may, you have many goods laid up for you, and many years take your ease and eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul would be required of you, and those, uh, and those will whose things uh, be which you have provided. So it is as he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. So we look at the transient nature of this life. That we're here, it says that we, we're like the grass that grows up and the flower. And then the sun burns it up and the thing withers and the, and the grass grows, you know, it grows uh, dry and blows away. That's our pursuit. Uh, if we look in the book of Ecclesiastes and the wisest man in the world, Solomon, he entertained every avenue that you could. I'm looking for satisfaction in my construction. I'm looking for satisfaction in my accusation or accumulation of wealth. I'm looking for the satisfaction in mirth. I'm looking for satisfaction in knowledge. All these pursuits in life. And he went to it with all his heart. And he came to the conclusion that the only thing that is profitable is for us to enjoy the works that we do with our hands and have blessings in God. And he says, it's other, anything other than that is vanity, vanity under the sun. Everything that we put our hands to. So here is a person who had wrong priority. He was watching the wrong thing. He says, man, I got a great crop this year. I can't even contain it. I'm ripping down my barns and I'm going to build bigger barns. But he didn't take into account that his life was like a, a vapor that comes for a little while and then it's blown away. Your soul has required you tonight. And who's all this crop, all this money, all this, these goods, who's it going to go to now? And he was not, he did not have, he was not watching the right thing. He was watching his natural circumstance. He was watching, he, he looks like, okay, life is about this. You acquire enough stuff. Then you have a, a security bubble around yourself. And then life is good. And we all want that. We all want kind of a comfortable life. You know, you you talk to people and they say, I don't really want to be rich, but I want to be comfortable. Everybody says that. I just want to be comfortable. The problem is, as the thing increases, the comfort bubble increases. (laughs) 
right? It just gets me. When you see somebody, you know, you, you see these politicians and they're, they're, worth, they're making 10 million a year. How comfortable can you be? 10 million a year. I mean, it's crazy. But yet that, that thing is always expanding. That bubble is constantly expanding. But if you keep your eyes on the Lord and you're watching the Lord, there's a satiation that comes upon the soul. You know, I was listening to Chuck Mister preach about this. He says, even if, even if you have the million, multi-million dollar mansion, you have the bank, you have the money in the bank, you're wearing the gold, whatever, and, but you don't have the Lord in your heart, there is something missing. There's, you cannot find satisfaction apart from being with the Lord. What are you watching? What is, your, what is your intention given to? Is it given to the Lord or is it for these temporary goals that we see here that are so fleeting, you know? And so this person came face to face with that. It says in verse, uh, chapter 4, verse, I mean, chapter 12, verse 4, it says, And I say to you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, and after that have no more that they can do. But I shall show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after he has killed, has power to cast into hell. Yes, I say to you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two copper coins? And not one of them is forgotten before, uh, before God. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore, for you are of more value than many sparrows. Thank you, Lord, that we're of more value than many sparrows. But that's amazing that not a sparrow. You go out here and you walk around and you'll see a dead chicken here. You'll see a dead gecko there or whatever. And you're, this word, according to this word, it says that those things did not die without God's knowledge of them dying. That's pretty mind-blowing. The fact that he says, I know the number of hairs on your head. And you're thinking, is that hyperbole or is that real? But if God is not a liar, then he's saying what he's saying. That that's true. That's a fact. Amen. It goes on in verse 22. It says, He said to his disciples, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, what, or your body, what you will put on. Life is more than food, and the body is more than clothing. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap. They have um, neither... Uh, and have neither storehouses nor barn, and God feeds them. How much more value are you than the birds? And which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? If you then are not able to at least uh, to the least and are anxious for the rest, consider the lilies, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. And if God so closes the grass, grass which today is in the field and tomorrow is thrown in the oven how much more will he clothe you O you of little faith and do not uh, do not seek what you should eat or what you should drink or nor have an anxious mind for all these things the nations of the world seek after and your father knows that you need these things but seek the kingdom of God and these things shall be added unto you do not fear, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell what you have and give alms. Provide yourselves money bags which do not grow old, treasures in heaven that do not fail, where no thief approaches nor moth destroys, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Are we invested in his kingdom? Is that where our attention is focused on? Are we here with the transient things of this world? Are we concerned about the shifting conditions of this world? And in fact, here, you know, we, we look at things going on in this world, and there's a lot of people that are saying, man, we need to prep. 
because the supply chains can be breaking down and we're going to be without food and this and that. And, and there is, you know, a level of truth to that, whatever's been said with those kind of, that kind of thing. But yet this word of God, it almost goes contrary to that. It says, don't worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, what you're going to drink, because your father in heaven looks out for you. That's a comforting word in a day and age gone crazy. Where you go into food land and you're like, man, I remember when these shelves used to have a lot more food on it. When you go into Costco and you go into Walmart and you're like, how come these shelves are so thin with stuff? That we can go to this word and say, Lord, your word says, I've sowed into your kingdom. I know you. I have a relationship with you. That God can provide for us miraculously. He did it in the past. It's throughout the word. Amen. This is a comforting word. What are our eyes focused on? Are we going to be fearful or are we going to be faithful? We need to be faithful. We need to be watching our Lord and what he's capable of to go into the supernatural realm and to lay claim to those things that we have an inheritance now. It says not only in heaven, but right now, things that accompany salvation. That's what the word of God says, that we can lay claim to those things, that we can call upon the Lord in the day of trouble and I will deliver you and you will give me glory. Because I am a covenant keeping God and I'm not a man that I should lie. And he says that I have exalted my word above my name that when you call upon me, I hear you. Amen. That if we take him at his word and even when it looks ridiculous and we say, but I have faith in God and he does and he comes through just like whenever we pray for our prayer line, some crazy stuff and God does it and we give him glory. We thank him because he hears our prayers. Amen. And he wants to build us up. He wants to build us up. And that's part of the spiritual warfare. It's praying. It's, it's being uh, perseverant. It's watching. What are our eyes watching right now? You know, we don't want to be watching the ways of the world or watching the way the world does things. We want to watch the things that God is doing. Watch those things that are pleasing in his sight. Watch those things that are true. And I believe that that peace, they'll settle into our hearts. Amen. If we're, if we're, uh, if we're in turmoil, then we can just turn our gaze to the Lord. And there's a peace that Jesus said that to his disciples. He knew, I know you guys are troubled. I'm going away. I've been with you for three, three and a half years here, and I'm going away. And he says, I'm going to leave you with something that's going to be very valuable. My peace I give to you, not the peace of this world. The peace of the world is like this guy who had the barns. Look at my bubble of security. I'm pretty at peace over here until his soul was required. Jesus says, I'm going to give you a peace that passes all your understanding. That you can be going through the midst of turmoil, but the peace of God within your heart. You feel like a, a calm in the midst of a hurricane. That it's, it's blowing all around you, but for some reason I have peace of God. Because I know he's watching me. I know his eye is on me. I've been through stuff before and he's brought me through this stuff. Amen? That's priceless right there. To have that. To have that relationship with it. This is something we all need to uh, foster in this environment we're living. We're living in crazy times right now. And I was, Heather, I could hear it on her voice when she called us up. She goes, we're almost at the point of evacuation. I can smell the smoke. The sky is all just smoked out. And, and I'm, I'm waiting on the evacuation order right now. And um, uh, Gretchen and I prayed. And she called us up last week Sunday. She says, man, she was crying. She said, man, it was, it, there, was, there was moisture all over the ground. It didn't full-blown rain. But the, the dew point changed where it was all wet on the ground. 
And, and it wasn't, she didn't see anything coming like that. And so we continued to pray. I said, Lord, put out these fires. And this morning, I saw it. I saw it on the, I was watching it, a Boulder weather report. Snow on Sunday. Snow on Sunday. Boom, it hit. You know, that we can change even the weather by our prayers. That God is that concerned about our circumstances. Amen. He's concerned. It goes on here in verse 35 of the same chapter. It says, let your waist be girded and your lamps burning. Isn't that part of the spiritual armor that our waist would be girded with the truth? That we would have this thing on. The belt would be tight in First in, uh, or Second Peter. Which it says, gird up the loins of your mind and rest your hope fully upon this salvation that is to be brought to you. That we tighten up our belt and say, man, it might get rough, but I'm, I'm going to cinch that belt up. I remember my dad every morning when he would get up. He, he used, they used to have horses. And he says, oh, I got to put on my girt. And the, the girt is the thing that holds a saddle and tighten his belt up like I'm ready for another day of work. Get on it. Let's, let's, let's put on that belt of truth. Tighten it up. Let our waist be girded and our lamps burning. And you yourself be like men who wait for their master when he will return from the wedding. Then when he comes and knocks that we may open to him immediately. Are we in anticipation of the Lord coming back for his church? I mean, it's the highest thing on my list of priorities. I'm tired of this place already, man. I'm looking out there and I'm like, man, what a mess. You know, I'd like to see a great revival, but I'd really like to hear that trumpet blast and the Lord say, come up hither. Amen. And you're walking on streets of gold and the struggle is over. Wait for their master when he return from a wedding. That when he comes, he knocks, you may open him immediately. Verse 37, blessed are those whose servants when his master, when he comes, will find them watching. Watching. Assuredly, I say to you that he will gird himself and have them sit down to eat and will come and serve them. You know, right now it says that we are serving the Lord. That we're to be serving the Lord. In the book of Malachi, it says when the book of remembrance was written, it says now you're going to see the difference. The, the, the uh, author of Malachi, the book of Malachi, he's saying, man, I don't get it. I see the wicked getting over. I see the wicked prospering. I see them just, you know, just doing whatever they want and there's no repercussion with this. And then he says, until the Lord sat down and he opened up the book of remembrance. And he says, now you're going to see the difference between the one who serves the Lord and the one who does not serve the Lord. And the Lord knows the difference. Amen. Help us, Lord, by your, by your grace that we would be those people in the book of remembrance. When there is a division made and all of a sudden it turns. It's amazing. He says it here that in this kingdom event that takes place that the Lord is going to have us sit down and he's going to serve us because we served him while we were here. That's pretty amazing. And if you should come in the second watch, verse 38, or come in the third watch and find them, so blessed are those servants. So that means if you come, if he comes in from 12 to 3 or uh, 9 to 12 is the first watch. 9 o'clock till 12 o'clock p.m. And if she come the second watch or come on the third watch and find them so blessed are they. Basically he's saying that part of the watching is to be perseverant in the watching. 
Because, you know, we think, well, we've been waiting for the Lord to come back for decades, for generations. We've been waiting for the Lord to come back. But if you study the Word of God and you look at the conditions of the world right now, you'll see that they match up more. It's like the tumblers on on a lock. That was like, yeah, that was, he could have come back then, but that tumbler was not in place yet. That, that, that thing didn't, didn't quite meet the rotation. But I would say that pretty much all of them are in place right now. We're not in the tribulation period right now, but we're on the cusp of that. We're on the infrastructure of that. When we hear about this, this thing that, you know, I was talking to Alan this morning and said, this is the first time in history since the Tower of Babel that the world is experiencing the same thing all at once. Everybody in this planet right now is locked down from this COVID business. That's global. And that's one of the signs that the Lord says, when you see this global uh, entity rising up right now, and this global control, and we're controlling your travel, and we're controlling this, and we're controlling you, you want to go into a store, and eventually it's going to get to the point where we're going to control who can buy and who can sell. It's all being lined up. And it's like a, a switch was hit and this thing just went into fast, fast forward right now. That's what we're seeing right now. That's what we're watching. These are the things. There's, the Bible says much about this time. This particular time, there is written more about the second coming of Christ than his first coming. By a two to one ratio. Two to one. Or it could even be three to one ratio. Three times as many prophecies about Christ's second coming than his first coming. This is an important time. There's the Bible. If you're watching, if you ask the Lord, Lord, give me eyes to see this, it just pops out all over the place. It's all over the Word of God about what it looks like before He returns back. Verse 39, But know this, if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready for the Son of Man is coming in an hour that you do not expect. You know, there's so many people that have written books about the Lord's coming back in 1988 or this. And that there was at Harold Camping. He had big posters all over the main. And the Lord is coming back. And he had a date on there. And it says, you don't know the day or the hour. He should have just followed the scriptures. We don't know the date of the hour when he's coming back. But we should know the season of what it looks like. I can't tell you he's coming back next week, Thursday at 3. I don't know. I don't know when the Lord's coming back. But I do know what he says about the season of the time. And the tumblers are all falling into place. It's like, wow, we're seeing the development of a global religion. We're seeing an apostasy within the church. We're seeing a development of a global government. We're seeing a control of, of money. You know, right now they're saying, oh, we, we think we're going to basically want to phase out of cash because through cash we can pass on the COVID. So we can't have cash. You ever seen there now? They're making uh, change rare nowadays. They said they're going to they're gonna phase out change, and then they're going to phase out the $1 bill, and then right down the line, and then finally they said, you know what? It's just too dangerous to be handling cash. Everything's going to be digital. Everything's going to be off the grid. It's all been prophesied. And it's happening in this day, in this age. Verse 40, Therefore, you also be ready for the Son of Man is coming in an hour you do not expect. And Peter said to him, Lord, do you speak this parable only to us or to all people? And the Lord said, Who then is that faithful and wise servant who made master over the ruler over his household and give them their portion of food in due season? Blessed is that servant whom when his master will come 
will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will make him ruler over all that he has. But if that servant says in his heart, my master is delaying his coming and begins to beat his, his uh, male and female servants and uh, eat and drink and be drunk, the master of that servant will come in a day when he is not looking for him and an hour when he is not aware and will cut him in two and appoint his portion with unbelievers. That's pretty stern right there. That in the waiting, that we don't become um, enamored with other things. It says that we don't be caught up with surfeiting is one thing, or uh, wastefulness, or overeating, or overdrinking during this time, that our eyes, our gaze should be upon the Lord. The Lord could come back today. The Lord could come back today. That our heart's affection, and our view, and our, our, our attention is upon that reality that this could be the time that the Lord returns. Amen? The reason, the, the way that we can get that stirred in our hearts is to get into the Word of God. Get into the Word of God, pray to the Lord that our affections and our, our, our time and our service is spent towards um, doing those things that are pleasing to the Lord and not be taken off on a sidetrack. You know, when, uh, we have uh, Amazon movies, and my wife, she's constantly looking for a decent show to watch. And she's got to, like, go through tons of filter this, because there's so much filth out there. I don't even want to watch regular TV, because I don't even want to be exposed to the commercials on TV anymore. Because the commercials on, our, on TV assault you. And they're constantly throwing a scene on there of two women kissing, or two guys, you know, it, it, trying to normalize perversion. And it's just, that's what the Lord says. It's going to be like that. It's going to be wickedness. And they're trying to make it normal. And it's not normal. It never will be normal. But the Lord is one who loves sinners. If we just turn, we turn to Him, we turn our gaze upon Him. And Lord, forgive me. Forgive me for participating. We are responsible for the condition that this society is in right now. We all had a hand in it. I had my hands in it. That got it to the point where it is right now. Lord, have mercy on us. Amen? Have mercy. Um, in closing, I want to, you know, one of my favorite portions of Scripture in regards to this is uh, Luke 21. Speaking of letting us know that we're in a season where the Lord could return. Luke 21, if you, want to, if you want to read on your own time, read Matthew 24, Luke, um, Mark 13, and Luke 21. It talks about, it's called the um, uh, Olivet Discourse, where the Lord was giving a briefing to his disciples about what it would look like when he came back. They asked that question. Luke 21, I want to read uh, from verse 7. You have to know how to rightly divide this portion of Scripture because there's some things that were fulfilled already, but some things are yet future. And so I'm going to read um, in here, in verse 7, it says, So he asked, they asked him, saying, Teacher, but when will these things be, and what will be the sign when these things are about to take place? And he said, Take heed that you be not deceived. For many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and the time is drawn near, therefore do not go after them. That's happening right now. You know, there, this is a great time of deception. There's false Christs out there claiming that they're the Lord. 
It says in verse 9, But when you hear of wars and, and uh, hear of wars and commotions, do not be terrified, for these things must come to pass first, and the end will not come immediately. We had two world wars. We had all kinds of skirmishes regarding all types of wars since, since this was written. Then he said, Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. We're seeing this. We're, we're even hearing from the media that are we on the verge of a civil war within this country, divided upon political lines? As also it says here, um, ethnos against ethnos, an ethnic civil war. They would like to see that happen. God forbid that we pray against that kind of mess. There will be great earthquakes in various places. You guys notice any of that going on these days? You notice up in Alaska, what was that, a 7.5 just recently? I mean, all over, you know, just massive earthquakes all over uh, various places, famines, pestilence. There will be fearful sights and great signs from the heavens. I think the day of the election, there's supposed to be some kind of rock that's supposed to pass really, really close to the, an asteroid that's supposed to close, uh, pass pretty, and we're, you hear this every time, oh, this thing just missed the earth, it just missed the earth, it just went between the moon and the earth, and all this, constantly, constantly now, oh, after it passed by, we saw it, we didn't see it coming, you know, these things, one of these days, one of those things are going to hit, you know, it's going to hit. But before all these things, they will lay their hands on you, persecute you, delivering you up to synagogues and prisons. You will be brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake, but it will turn out as an occasion of a testimony. Therefore, settle it in your hearts and meditate beforehand. Do not meditate beforehand your answer, for I'll give you a mouth of wisdom, which will your adversaries will not be able to contradict or resist. You will be betrayed even by parents, by brothers, right, relatives, friends, and they will put some of you to death. And you will be hated by all uh, for my name's sake, but not a hair of your head will be lost by your patience possess your soul. Perseverance. You notice there's a temperament right now, like an antichrist temperament towards people who love the Lord, who have the light of God on you. You go in a room, all of a sudden they act weird to you. And it's like, I didn't even do anything. Because we carry the presence of God on us. And there's a natural repulsion from that right now. And it's only going to get stronger. Do you know that these, the opposition party is saying, if we win this election, we're going to have to round up these people. We're going to have to round them up and deal with them. They're making plans. Some of them, not all of them, but some of them are saying, because these are a problem. They've been a problem. There are people that are posting, uh, people who have contributed to Trump's, Trump's presidency, his campaign, and they're posting their names and addresses on websites. It says, you want to go uh, do some reprisals? It's just dirty, man. It's just, it's nasty. And I was, I was talking to somebody this morning, I was saying that these, these masters of, of this communist revolution that they're concocting, this is uh, Sololinsky and these guys, that they're, they're like professors in the college. And they were concocting this in the 60s, in the early 70s, and they got together in the little round table over there, and they said, if we really pull this revolution off, there's going to be some people that will resist us. There's, we estimate at least 25 million who will not go along with this. We can't, put, we can't re-educate them in a re-education. They're just going to be stalwarts that says, no, I'm not going along with this. And he says, how are we going to kill these people? These things have been discussed. Believe me, communism is an evil entity. It's evil, and we need to pray against it taking over. Our president says, this country will never be a socialist country, and we should stand with that stand, because I'm telling you, anytime socialists take over, they're just veiled communists. There's a purge that takes place, and a lot of people get killed. 
Seriously, if you study history, I'm not saying this to, to scare anybody. I'm just saying this is history. This is what happens. This is the time we find ourselves, but we have weapons of our warfare that are power and mighty to the pulling down of these strongholds, these, these strongholds of demonic forces that have been placed in these people's heads. Why would you want to do this? Why? Because they serve the dark. They serve the devil. Jumping over to verse 34. But take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing, with drunkenness, and the cares of this life, that that day come on you unexpectedly. For it will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the earth. If you read through the book of Revelation, all these judgments are coming down, coming down, coming down. And it says, to those who dwell on the earth. They made their home on the earth. My place is on the earth. We are not earth dwellers. We are citizens of a foreign kingdom. We're ambassadors of a heavenly kingdom. Our home is not here. We're just passing through. We're sojourners. Our touch should be light on this place. We're passing through. Amen. It'll come as a snare on those who are dwelling on the earth. They're not even aware. They're not watching. They have no clue that this is impending. It's like the sword of Damocles hanging over their head. That all I got to do is cut a string and that sword's dropping. And I don't even see it. I'm blind. My eyes, because I'm, I'm looking at the wrong things. My vision is not good. I don't even see it. You notice that? How, don't, it's obvious. Don't you see it? No, they don't see it. A lot of them don't. They don't want to see it. What are we watching? What are we watching? We can be, this day is going to come, but it's not going to overtake those who are watching as a thief coming into your house to steal. We see it creeping up. Amen. Verse 36 in closing, watch therefore and pray always that may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and stand before the son of man. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That needs to be our posture that we're watchful. That we're prayerful. That we're waiting upon that day. That we're looking, like it says, like a man who's waiting for the master to return. Is he coming today? Is he coming today? Could it be today? That our affections are on the things that are eternal and not caught up in the temporal. That we're not like the guy who's concerned about building the bigger barn. Because soul, take your ease. You can, you can kick back because you got plenty now. He didn't know that his soul was required of. This word is an appropriate word across the church age. Because we're thinking, well, I'm waiting for the Lord to come back. I know people like Chuck Smith says, I'm waiting for the Lord to come back. And the Lord did come back for him. He died before the rapture. He felt fully in his heart, I will live to see the rapture. Chuck Messer, I think I will live to see the rapture. They were watching. They were, they were living as such that the Lord could come today. Because he could come today. Either as individuals. He can come for us in a cab. Or he can come with us for us in the big bus. Or the big plane. All of us, one time. Boom. That would be nice. But we need to be watchful. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Lord. Let's pray.